Back in Miami, uh, Benzinga 2023. Uh, it is buzzing out there with lots of really cool people walking around and lots of cool, interesting conversations, projects, ideas, etc. It's very exciting. Dimitri Downing back with George Tanchev, Pure Five, Faster Better Extraction. My PhD fact checking co host, who just, if I say something wrong, he just says, stop. You know, fortunately, he just doesn't do that that much because I'm always right. No, I'm just kidding. But he is our fact checker. And thank you, George, always for co-hosting. I'm here with another couple cool individuals that uh, I've known for a while in the cannabis space who are industry experts who have a really cool new project that we're going to get to. But first, we're going to introduce you to them so you can know a little bit about who they are, their journey into, through, and where they're at now in cannabis. And then we'll save the new project for after we get to introduce you guys to the audience out there. So Sarah, we'll start with you. Thank you, Dimitri. And it's always fun to run into you all around the world I, <laughs> and I, see where we'll overlap. I, I love people, you know, and, and they do such interesting things. And you've got a huge cannabis background. Where, yeah. where, where should we start? Like We should start in 2016. 2016. On the, the eve of legalization in California when the voters were oh, looking to... You set that up well. Press Prop 64. <laughs> <laughs> on the eve of cannabis legalization. It, it was really like that. Um, we knew that a whole new era was coming. And I, my first entree into canna the cannabis industry in a formal way was I ran a ballot initiative for a county in Northern California to try to bring our local regulations into alignment with the state. And ever since I've been on this roller coaster ride of, of legalization with front row seats on how it has worked to roll out legalization and how it hasn't worked, honestly, in California. I did a lion's share of my work in Northern California, working with industry associations, businesses, private clients um, to move legalization forward and then to try to fix it. So for almost a decade, I've been doing that work and now have expanded through my firm, Golden State Public Affairs, to work in other counties, other states and other countries around the world so that we can hopefully learn uh, from the mistakes we've made and do better. Are you guys still based out of Northern California? Yes. Um, when, I, when I'm home, I, I like to say I'm based out of the airplane. That is the hub. I mean, everywhere I go around the world, it's just as soon as California, Northern California, products, manufactured flour, et cetera, can get out to the rest of the world, ideas, it's just, it's just going to be incredible. There's such a demand out there. Just coming back from Spanibus and seeing that again and again. So, okay, so you, you, you uh, Golden State Public Affairs. What does Golden State Public Affairs do? That's your current business. Mm -hmm. let, I, let, let's save the big project. For yeah. This. So uh, uh, in a normal week, I'm working on uh, different kinds of lobbying efforts and policy writing. So just yesterday in the halls here at Benzinga, I called into a meeting in Lake County, California, and we were able to win an extension on tax reform for cultivation mm -hmm. and you know the tax structure has been completely out of whack in every way in california and totally unsustainable for the industry and last year we won um, tax relief and we got an extension of that yesterday and made it permanent so that's an example wow. yeah that's and important th these little wins are everything actually this is we're still you know a, a hugely important northern california is a huge important growing region and manufacturing region mm -hmm. and being able to stabilize that industry and help it survive through the volatility in the market is critical. So um, tax reform win, and next I'll be working on some regulations for a few other countries that I'm helping with. Are you thinking about going to the NCA lobby days, May 16th through 18th? We just had Aaron Smith on, and I just I was just remembering how we were talking about it, because it's like an important day, a few hundred industry professionals get out there together and stuff. But it seems like a like you were yeah. 
The perfect thing for you. You know, so I was on a rooftop in Berlin last summer and I had an important moment where I said, you know, I don't really focus a lot on federal policy. Right. My focus is mostly states and uh, local in, mm -hmm. in, in the U.S. And someone said, don't forget about how important it is at the federal level. And I never forget that, right? But I haven't personally put yeah. my effort towards it. And my experience has been so valuable on the ground in the states and the, the counties and cities where I've worked that I think it's time I probably show up in D.C. Yeah, you know, it, it is it is beyond me. I think the, the federal government is beyond any of us. But you got to get in there and do your part, I guess. You know, it's a, it's a really difficult challenge. It's a challenge. It's much more. Things are much more realistic and happening. You can touch people at the county, city, state level. But then D.C. is just, I don't know. I'm just going to go and see what I can learn. You know, somebody wants to hear my opinion, whatever. You know, we'll see what happens. Um, so excellent. So that, that that's a great, you know, you're obviously... You're one of the OGs in the industry, knew your way around. What were you doing before the eve of 2016? I was doing communications work, and that's mm -hmm. why I got um, invited by someone in the industry to run the ballot initiative because okay. they needed somebody who uh, who had professional experience with communications and was well-respected and well-integrated into the community who wasn't afraid to walk into any boardroom and say, let's talk about cannabis. And so from the very beginning, I saw myself as a bridge between the industry and the you know the the community more broadly the electeds and i didn't have to be afraid of my kids being taken away from me or what was in my backyard right. and i saw that early on that that's where we were at you know that's where still a lot of the world is at where the it's not really safe to be on the front lines of legalization efforts and um, I actually found that to be a calling and I got really, really turned on by the policy work because I saw we could change policy, we could change reality, and we could change I, what business was possible. I don't even talk to prohibitionists anymore. I just don't bother. I, I came from a very conservative prosecutor background and it's just I've totally changed. Mostly, I'll, I'll, I'm not gonna, let's focus on Jason. So, <laughs> I, I, I drift into these stories. Jason, and then we're, I'm gonna, I was going to say, how'd you meet Jason? But we're going to go, Jason, how'd you meet I, Sarah? Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about you, Jason. How'd you get into cannabis? And then we'll, we're going to get to culture. We'll yeah. There. Uh, so I've been in cannabis a long time, 14 years now. Uh, started in the state of Montana uh, in 2009 uh, under the medical marijuana uh, program uh, that was legalized uh, by voters. Uh, I built that business from a $3,000 personal investment into five stores, two big cultivations, and the largest grossing. Uh, medical cannabis operation in the state of Montana from 2009 until I got raided by the feds in November 2011. Uh, beyond that, I got <laughs> indicted by the federal government January 2012. Pound right. no, <laughs> that out. Yeah, that, that, that following year, they uh, uh, or a few months later, they indicted me um, on three counts. Uh, and uh, I elected to go to trial because I wasn't doing anything wrong. Yeah. I was following state and city guidelines to the T. Um, fully licensed on in every city uh, where we had stores. Uh, and uh, uh, so I, I felt good that I needed to kind of stand on my position um, as a licensed Montanan at that time. Yeah. Because this issue wasn't, in my opinion, wasn't between me and the federal government. That was between the state of Montana and the federal government. So um, I elected to go to trial. Uh, I, I beat them on one of the three counts. Nice. I lost on two. Um, I was... Uh, sentenced to a prison term federal prison oh i'm sorry uh, after losing on on two of the counts which yeah. we stood up and said hey yes we did this by definition of the of federal law uh we grew grew and distributed medical marijuana yeah but 
under the uh, notion of, you know, different legal terms and entrapment and things like that, we didn't feel that, that the fight was between Jason Washington and, and the United States of America. But that's and, what it and you had a short time. I was giving you a pound yeah. because an indictment and breaking the rules is like a badge of honor in this industry. Yeah. But I'm sorry, it does suck that you have to do time. Yeah. How much time did you do? So I was found guilty of two counts that carried five-year mandatory minimum. So by definition, uh, federal definition, I should have done 10 years. Right. My judge downward departed gave me a year on each count okay. due to the fact that this was not a clandestine drug operation. Um, and so then that sentence was appealed to the Ninth Circuit. So I, I was initially given two years. Right. That sentence was appealed to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. They agreed with the prosecution and that I should have got 10. Uh, but I was sent back for resentencing in front of my district judge. Yeah. That judge was so upset that the initial ruling was appealed or the initial sentence was appealed. Right. He reduced my sentence from 24 down to 21 months and basically said that was enough um at the time i had a four-year probation tail i went back to the university of montana finished my second degree brought 17 months on probation and then he sent me home we had a lot of montana guys when that was happening in 2010 11 12 yeah uh, come down to arizona you did and that's <laughs> absolutely that, um so you came at 2017 you got back into the business yeah, 2017, I moved back to California. A good friend of mine, Matthew Morgan, who also was a Montana. Matt Morgan, another yeah. Montana guy. Yeah. There's he, uh, dozens of them in Arizona. Yeah. He moved down to Arizona and started Bloom Dispensaries there. And then uh, he, he he was leaving Bloom, and uh, we moved over. Uh, prior to that, he left Bloom, went to Reef, and then he was leaving Reef, and we went over and started the Ignite Cannabis Company. Uh, yeah. And we were there for a short period of time before kind of value set didn't align, and we transitioned out. And that was the birth of culture. And where I stand today. So you work with uh, Ignite as well. Yeah, we we're the founders on that. Wow, yeah. you were like a legend, man. Man, we're moving around <laughs> you, quite a bit. Ignite, yeah. Ignite has kicked ass. Uh, are, are you still friends with Matt Morgan? Yeah, great friends. He lives here in Miami now. I saw him uh, two nights ago. Oh wow! Tell him I said hi. I will. I, I, there was all these guys. And I mentioned his name. I'm sorry about that. But uh, there's all these guys that came through Montana, uh, came down from Montana down to Arizona. You know, to, to run. Montana from the, was a, Montana was ahead. Um, yeah. And you know, we we were. Fully state legal at the time, so it was a good training ground. Uh, those guys, look, not taking anything away from Badati and those guys, whatever, they, they went on to build big companies and uh, they made a lot of money. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, I took the fall on that deal. Yeah, and, and uh, I remember Matt Morgan, he did pretty well with Bloom. Then he moved on to other things, and, and he's such a good guy. He was such He's, I, I, I want to say sweetheart, but he's, he's like a gentle soul that like looks really tough. Yeah, yeah, I've yeah. Always, I've always liked him. Yeah, fitness but, is a passion, but uh, for him, so <clears throat> but yeah, he's a good dude all around. One of my best friends. And and, and that's great. Well, tell him I said hi. And now you your focus is on is on. And how did you guys meet? How did you meet her? I so I met Sarah in Berlin, um, and actually last year. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, last year. Yeah. And uh, actually, you know, from a, a discussion we had at that ICBC conference in Berlin. Um, this Denver project that we're working on now was birth um, just from the commonality that in a position that we saw in the industry for what's next in the cannabis space, right. you know, kind of the 1.0 box dispensary thing had kind of been played out or from our perspective, it's kind of played out and not really the next step in the evolution of the industry and what, how to normalize cannabis and just allow cannabis to uh, kind of fold into the normal things we do in life um, instead of being this like, CD undercover, still walking in, putting your hood on because you don't want people to see you going into a box dispensary. Yeah. Um, and so uh, culture as a 
as a standalone piece. Um, it's just a full-service cannabis agency where we specialize in providing operational expertise for license holders in emerging markets. Right. Um, and so that's why I was there in Berlin uh, and happened to meet Sarah at that time. And since since then, we've been connected at the hip. That, 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 that's an incredible story. And I love the fact, and, and I'm, I'm really sorry that you had to, to do time. Sure. Because it, uh, that really does I'll tell suck. you this, man. At this point, look, I'm not sorry about it. It was something that I had to go through. And it was something that was, for whatever reason, was meant for me to experience. Right. And that experience has, has continued to open doors, um, you know, in places like this, through this, this, this new Denver project. Um, and it's, the plan has taken care of me for a long time, <clears throat> my family as well. But it, it's really good to see individuals like yourself succeeding in the cannabis space, you know, after suffering the wrongs yeah. directly yeah, yeah. of the cannabis industry. There's a lot of, like, questions around what social equity is and who sure. deserves in, in social equity. Right. Uh, unequivocally, 1,000%. You are you are the individual that I think that the social equity should be targeting. I, I mean, you, you are an individual who, who directly suffered, not done your family, yeah. but you direct and your family, of course, but not oh, really. Yeah, yeah. But you directly suffered the wrongs of the drug war. Yeah, no, I. Uh, you know, so you, your success in the cannabis industry is inspiring. It's it's appropriate. This is the first time I've utilized anything under the social equity program. Yeah. Because my charges are federal out of the jurisdiction of Montana, right. Montana doesn't have an equity program, so I have not been able to participate in that state. Right. Also, I couldn't participate in California or anywhere else. That was the reason the agency model took place, because we've operated assets and facilities in seven states across the U.S. Um, but until Denver came out with this program, which allowed uh, other people to apply with charges from outside of Colorado, this is now the first time I've been able to participate in a license of my that's good for the Colorado people. Yeah. Did you, are you responsible for that? Yeah. Well, you know, my whole career <laughs> Did has... Did you change the law in Colorado? I didn't. <laughs> Somebody I didn't else change did. that well, one. could have been. Um, my whole career has been at the intersection of policy and business. Yeah. You know, and I'm usually trying to change policy to enable business. And I've seen a lot of businesses make bad decisions at that juncture. And I've seen a lot of people spend slash waste a lot of money. And, you know, you've seen cannabis not benefit who ending the war on drugs was supposed to benefit, yeah. right? And when I met Jason and heard his story, I, I found it very compelling, you know, right. that, that he wasn't able to operate an asset under his own name. And he was one of the, you know, one of the pioneers in the industry. <clears throat> and so he asked me, can you help me find a place so I can operate an asset under my own name? You know, not on behalf of somebody else, mm -hmm. not under a management contract, but like open, open a brick and mortar like I had in Montana, you know, and do this again and do this right. And so I surveyed the whole country and I looked at different social equity programs to find out where was that sweet spot of both opportunity that he could qualify for nice. and a business model that would actually be compelling enough that we would want to build it. Right. Uh, because we did not want just, you know, what I call the weed in the box model 1.0, you right. know, where we were really boxed into selling cannabis in a way that is totally unnatural and it's not how we sell or consume any other product, much less any other stimulant. You know, if you could only go to the beer store and you could only buy the beer and put it in a bag and then go and drink it in your car, right. like the world would be a very different place. So I, I looked across the country and there were, you know, we're now in kind of like social equity next wave, right? There were some social early on social equity programs and I would argue that many of them have failed. And, yeah. and now there's another wave of social equity programs that are coming out. And 
they're often very narrowly defined. Usually they qualify you for um, social equity based on your income um, or your prior drug, drug charges or the neighborhood you lived in, if right. it was you know, considered a, an impact zone. And that's looked at by different economic indicators and different crime indicators usually. And so it's, it's very um, you know, nuanced how you qualify. And then of course there's these residency requirements and yeah. they look at, you know, have you lived there for 10 years? You know, and all of these criteria actually rule out a lot of people that social equity was intended to help in the first place. And, and yeah. then I stumbled upon what was happening in Denver. And just early on this year, they, uh, they launched a new social equity hospitality license. Social equity hospitality license. That is the only of its kind in the U.S. And it's just within the city of Denver. So as a state, Denver, uh, excuse me, Colorado has made a commitment to social equity and they actually have a process by which you can qualify to show that you are a social equity candidate. And one of those criteria is previous criminal charges. And then within the city of Denver, they have a, spe a special license type called the hospitality license that enables new business activity that we've never seen combined before. Okay. So it allows hospitality services such as food or beverage, um, as well as cannabis retail and cannabis consumption in the same general location. And I'm saying that very vaguely because yeah. there are some rules and restrictions about what you can sell at a certain register and how you um, can mix these There's different the activities. There are always rules, yeah. but for the first time under the same roof, generally, yeah. we can house these things and offer a different kind of cannabis consumption experience this and a different cool. kinds of consumer experience. Yeah. And when I discovered this, I also found that the way that they qualify you is if you uh, become a resident of Colorado and you move to Colorado as a social equity applicant, you are eligible on day one nice. that you make that move. So I called Jason. I said, are you ready to move to Denver? Yeah. <laughs> and right. he said, tell me what's good. Where, so were, where were you before here in Miami with Matt? <laughs> I wish. Um, no, I've, seen, oh. I've seen his Instagram. Yeah. Real world Miami. <laughs> Real weed <laughs> Miami. <laughs> Uh, our office is based in Oakland, California. Okay, That's so you're in Oakland? And, I'm, I'm born and raised. Uh, we'll always maintain a presence there. Um, but, yeah, now Denver is Okay. Home. And so so where are you guys in your project? This sounds like a really cool concept. It's a really cool concept. Like, diagrams and build, where are you guys at? You're yeah. raising yeah. capital for it? Yeah. That's where we're here. Um, we have a, a small capital raise. Okay. I've never actually, I've been a, lot, a part of a lot of projects that have raised a lot of money. Yeah. I've never wanted to be the guy out raising the money, though. I've always just preferred to stay on the operations side. So this Benzinga conference was a first for me out actually trying um, to actively raise capital. Um, and, you know, with our luck, we, we hit it at a time where the market is uh, not so ripe for such things. But I think we've made some good headway this far. That, 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 that's awesome. And so you guys, is there, are, are there other people involved? Is are you guys partners? You guys have a big group of individuals. How large is your team? Well, right now we're, we're still in the due diligence phase, really, yeah. of the project. Like what we've been focused on for the last few months is finding real estate, which is no small task. Okay. Because the, the downside of a lot of the licensing programs, you know, broadly and specifically social equity licensing is that we face huge zoning um, right. and location challenges. Yes. Right? You can do this, but you are going to have a hell of a time finding a place where you can actually open a business that will yeah. survive. Right. So we, we allow cannabis, but then we zone it out and we put it on the edges of town and there's no, there's no foot traffic. There's no other businesses right. around that are going to be a draw. So we have been searching for real estate in Denver 
for several months now. And just last week, we found a building that is a real gem. So now I have not only diagrams, but you know, Fantastic. 3D f photographs of this building. Excellent. Now that we have real estate identified that is compliant and also highly desirable, it would allow us to build a, a really dynamic business in an old historic building that people want to and walk into and want right. to be in and is also in a great neighborhood with a, a prime demographic and you know good good walking score these kinds of things now that we have real estate the project is is real in a whole new way since since it's new are you having to deal with city officials like that don't know what this means kind of thing no, like tell them the story about yeah. the yeah. we made yeah. so and, and, I, but I, I can see that i can be like this is what it means yeah so when we, we we both went to the the icbc conference in barcelona this year and i think when you were on the plane you got the notification from the state of colorado that your social equity um eligibility had been confirmed because you have to go through a process fingerprint you know submit your your history so they can say yes you are a qualified social equity applicant and that's step one and then you apply for the license within the city so he so gets the, his the captain of the plane says folks jason <laughs> has qualified for social equity there you go Round <laughs> of applause. Like, yeah. so we get to we get to barcelona and we're standing outside the conference one day and he goes so what's next i said all we need is to find one champion within the city of denver um, to, to really understand our project and our mission. You know, yeah. I've done this work for a long time. And I'm like, we don't, you know, that's that we need to find that one champion. And I think two days later, we're at a, uh, at a social lounge where, you know, they have, Barcelona is unique in this. They're one of the only places in the world where they have consumption lounges. Mm -hmm. And we're at a lounge and we were waiting uh, for Jason to go on a podcast. <laughs> the podcast that never happened, actually. Barcelona or Berlin? Because are we... We're in Barcelona. Okay. Yeah. This is a month ago. Yeah. A month ago. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. okay. So we're sitting on the couch and this woman walks up to us and says, so I hear you're applying for a license in Denver. And I said, yeah, yeah, we are. And she goes, oh, well, I want, I run the social equity hospitality license program for the city of Denver. And I said, Real without, story. without missing a beat, I said, you have a great program. You have some of the most okay. wonderful opportunity in the country. Unfortunately, businesses are going to fail because there's nowhere for them to be located. Mm -hmm. And she says, well, there's still some places you can be. I said, no, there's no places we can be. <laughs> we have been there. We have been, you know, driving through the city yeah. try and we've had multiple realtors help try to work with us on identifying real estate. And I said, she has I a map. Well, so I say I have the perfect building and I'm zoned out. And she says, oh, that's the other way. Yeah. Well, tell me about it. And why are you zoned out? And so I explained to her the nuances of our location and the different um, setbacks and restrictions that are on it. And she says, that criteria doesn't apply to you. And I said, I read the whole book. And she said, I wrote the book. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, we're sitting down <laughs> right now. So we go downstairs to the lodge. We get a couch. You picked the right partner, Jason. That's right. I know. Listen, <laughs> it's meant for you. not going to miss you. Yeah. So we sit down yeah. for an hour and we pull up the address in the zoning tool that the city of Denver has and we read through the regulations and I'm like we got real estate nice. <laughs> and then we spend uh, you know the rest of the time talking about the process and what it's going to look like for us as applicants going through the process and she really is coaching us she is committed to helping these applicants succeed you know despite the obstacles and has come in from outside of government you know but from with an industry background and is now trying to really open up the pathway for these cannabis businesses and equity owned businesses specifically to succeed within right. Denver. And so we, we talked it through and I was like, we got work to do. You know, we've got real estate, we've got social equity qualification and we've got a friend in government. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. that's having a friend in government is absolutely important. And yeah. being able to talk to them in government yeah. language is yeah. another, is, is important. 
You really did pick the right partner. Look, here. Meeting her is just it was a culmination of a lot that's of things. Crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. That's that's like fate. The the party we were at was at Dank of England uh for uh that was given by Grove Bags. Grove Bags, we have a partnership. They produced all of our mailers for our clothing line. Yeah. Which are oversized eighth bags, if you will. Um so all the stars have just been aligning to this mission and you know, when that those sorts of things happen, it really just solidifies that thought of are we on the right path. And right. so, you know, I think we've we've been everything is aligned for us thus far. So I remember I, I was in Barcelona and starting to come. The haze is starting to be lifted over my brain because I forgot a lot about what happened in Barcelona. Don't ask why. <laughs> so um, but so what what else should people know about your project and how they get in touch with you? I mean, you guys are a great team and, and this is a really cool project. But I mean, you guys, you guys are young. There's going to be a lot of success for you, a lot of projects in the future. So people should reach out and just befriend you, take you to coffee, talk about what you guys are doing. And this is a cool project, but I want people to know how to get in touch with you guys personally. Yeah, we got 10 other cool projects, too. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, no. Absolutely. No, I mean, you're, you're, you're a legacy guy. You're an OG. You suffered the wrongs. Obviously, you're always, also a great businessman working with some great projects before and post what happened to you. Yeah. And then you, just a tiger, you know, just forget about it. She's going to. If, if I was a city fish, I'd be like, just yes. Yeah. Just, 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 just do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. Okay. Change, change the law. <laughs> change the law. Change the regulation. You got the interpretation. You win. So how do people get in touch with you? Best way to probably find me is either through social media channels, Instagram, Jason D. Washington, um, or culture.global. And that's yeah. all of our handles put point to that culture.global. So they can find us there. Yeah. And you can find me on LinkedIn at Sarah Bodner or on Instagram at Sarah E. Bodner. I really look forward to catching up with you guys a year from now, five years from now. Absolutely. We, we definitely got to have you to Denver to do the podcast live around an event, um, yeah. you know, once once the facility is up and going. And, and I'm thrilled that you're succeeding in the cannabis industry. If there's anything Appreciate I can that. do personally to help, I, I meet a lot of people. I forget a lot of things, so I yeah. apologize. But you can call me directly. Yeah. I was a prosecutor for like 10, 12 years. Okay. And I can't tell you how many times... Uh, that we just, you know, rolled through cases sure. without thinking about the morality, the ethics. You've yeah. got a job to do. Yeah. Our yeah. chief prosecutor said focus on domestic violence, focus on financial crimes. Don't really give all the guys marijuana probation, just get them out of here, which is good Sure. because he can make that call. And we just did what we did. So we were like domestic violence, domestic violence, jail time, jail time, jail time. Yeah. Did you use a weapon? Lots of jail time. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's kind of like our, our mentality. But we don't really... It's not our job to do the ethics or morality of it. But after reflection, I kind of like, you know, these were all the great entrepreneurs. Yeah. These were the guys that were willing to take the risks that saw things. They're like the guys trading rugs in the Middle East during Jesus' time. You know, these are the really cool people with a really good mindset. And they definitely deserve to be rewarded. So in my mind, social equity programs are designed exactly for people like you. Yeah. You know, white, black, brown, poor, rich, doesn't really matter. You know, if you spend time in jail, if you suffered the wrongs of the drug war directly, sure. my God, this country owes you something. Hey, I appreciate and, that. And, and the world, you know, too. Think about millions and, not billions, millions and millions of people, Indonesia, Russia, United States, who were directly harmed, and then their families. Yeah. You know, so it's been crazy. So I'm, I'm glad for your success. I look forward to your success. I look forward to following Thank your story in the future. And you, you're going to be, you're just a tiger. I just, I just love it. I'm, I, nonstop. I, she's tenacious, man. I, I, no, I, I worked in government, and I'm like, I'm like, okay. If she was like a defense attorney, and I was like prosecuting, I'd be like, okay, what do you want? <laughs> what do you want? She's good. You just get your way. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for being on Meet Unshackled, and we look you. forward to your success. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Yeah.